miniature soldiers, big opinions. This is the Conclave Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Conclave Podcast. I'm the Sandman and joining me today we have Adam the Legal Department and the War Hipster. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, good, good. It's good. a Saturday, so... Yeah, exactly. You know... It's raining. That's always that's preferable. Well, we don't, guys, we don't know when this is being released. Come on, let's keep, let's keep up the illusion, right? <laughs> if this doesn't come out till <laughs> oh, Wednesday... Oh, yeah, good point. Sorry. <laughs> if this doesn't come it's out an, Wednesday, it's... everyone's going to know I'm really shit at editing. <laughs> what, what we'll do... Hang on, I'll, you... give you some, I'll give you some options, if you like. So, oh, yeah, it's Monday. It's, uh, it's the beginning of the week. I'm raring to go. Pause. <laughs> it's Tuesday, Ed. I've had a good. I had a good productive day yesterday. I'm excited to see what the what what the rest of the week brings. Pause. Wednesday. I I hate everything. <laughs> I just I I I don't even want to be here right now. Thursday. Friday's coming. Friday. It's I'm Friday, Ed. I'm really. I'm. It's it's Brady. It's brilliant. It's Brady. Happy I don't know what I'm talking about. Buddy. There you go. That's oh, that's Monday to Friday for you. We'll give you some weather options as well. It's raining sunny cloudy foggy it's raining meteorites you just insert those <laughs> as, you, as you wish okay i was i was all prepped then to go did you see that plague of locusts and you just beat me to the punch with a rain of meteorites i swear we were going to do something 40k related tonight um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah what's that <laughs> don't know what that is so yeah, let's uh, let's move on. So today uh, we are going to continue uh, looking at some of the origins for the for the guys on the team. So obviously you've heard me, BDR, uh, Quipster, and you had uh, Kareem. But today we we're, we're going to go into War Hipster and Adam because uh, War Hipster does not live in London, and Adam had moved on to a better place. Um, that place being <laughs> Slovenia. Uh, but, but yeah, but tonight... I'm, I'm not dead. To be clear, <laughs> this is not like the dis- They've not trapped me, Ghostbusters style, and you've got the disembodied voice coming out of a box. Again, Adam, come on, let's keep the illusion going. People are going to think that this is some incredible podcast. I, I like to I like to mix podcasting with speaking with the dead. I think it I think that's the future. But yeah, in sales <laughs> But in terms of uh, hobby progress, guys, yeah, uh, what, what are you guys working on? Out of curiosity, do you want uh, to take this, Adam, or shall I? Yeah, I, well, I'll start because uh, the giveaway is we're both working on um, essentially the same thing at the moment. Um, so, uh, I, as, as, uh, Sandman alludes to, uh, I was lucky enough to actually be able to leave, uh, the country, um, fairly recently. And thus I have been in the two week, uh, required quarantine lockdown thing that you have to do, uh, when you come back. So I've been making a lot of progress on my Necrons. And in particular, I've been building everyone's, uh, favorite ancient crotchety, 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 I can't even speak so, we'll now. Edit that um, out. <laughs> uh, yeah, angry, angry skeletal overlord, uh, the Silent King, Zarek. Uh, and I actually spent today, um, or a bit of last night and, and most of today, building and, because I'm weird and sad like this, magnetising uh, the model so that you could take uh, Zarek and his two little um, accompany, accompanying pharons um, uh, off, off, of the, uh, off of the big floating sort of dais thing he's on. Um, and I found a lot of it to be an annoyingly fiddly build, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's an amazing <laughs> model, it looks very cool when it's all together, but I think it suffers, um, certainly the, the two little pharon guys, um, uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, I think we're naming them, um, they <laughs> they, um, they are well, Sadler little... and Waldorf is what the other yeah, one yeah 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 Sadler and Waldorf um, they are 
annoyingly difficult to build uh, in uh, for like no reason and you know fair enough to the gw guys who sculpted the damn thing because it looks very cool when it's all together but there was a bit of cursing going on this afternoon in my in my like little hobby room when i was trying to glue these guys together i mean josh you you built yours at incredible speed didn't you didn't you get it done in like a an afternoon or a day or something i mean some of us are just born with a gift (laughs) <laughs> I first have sausage fingers. Uh, it's you know, it's, it's a curse. Yeah, I. Adam I actually does have to my... cut all the sprues out using a butter knife. He really like, he <laughs> likes the challenge. <laughs> In that case, you are much better at this hobby than I am, Adam. Yeah, no, I I did mine in um, yeah, basically an afternoon and an evening. The 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 problem I ran into, as I'm sure you well actually what you've just said is the two um the two triarch pharaons they are the absolute devil and they are the worst things in the world to build and i'm not even sure i've built mine right but once the uh once the uh well it's it's just like the arms don't actually slot into anything they almost just kind of float there and then the 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 kind of little um i guess you'd call them pistons that you see in the neck. So in the neck of a Necron, neck of a Necron, you've got uh, say say that several times. Uh, you've got the kind of the spinal column, which is the thick kind of usually black coloured thing on on a Necron. And then there's usually two little pistons that kind of go in from like the collarbone up to the chin. Those don't go anywhere on these two characters. They just kind of hang there, wow. yeah, which is the it's... worst. Yeah, and and. Y- to to add to uh, what Josh is saying, you have to you have to position them, and I, I agree. I think I think mine are probably in a similar uh, way in that I'm not sure they look all right, but I'm fairly sure looking at the book, I've probably not built them quite right. Um, because <laughs> that they they obviously like one of the you know one arm on each of these guys is holding this sort of big staff, and to kind of get the angle right that they're holding it, you, you have to sort of sit there and try and line up the bit where the shoulder the like the arm bone connects into the shoulder bone and the you know and then i'm going to sing the song um, but then you have to you have <laughs> to line that. up that that like neck piston thing with that spinal cord but then it, it just because as josh said it doesn't connect into anything it just kind of moves about really easily and then you have yeah. to then you have to put the the back of the torso on as well it just gets really fiddly really quickly <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. Is it, is it for, but both, like, for both of you? Is it the biggest model you've you've done? Oh, I don't know. I haven't. What I haven't done is put it side by side with Teclas. Ah, oh, he's a big boy as well. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he is a big probably, boy. It's probably the tallest one I've done because I I was comparing it today to um, the Doomstalker, the big sort of uh, War of the Worlds awesome thing. Model. Because that's awesome. obviously yeah, a great model and and by contrast, incredibly easy to build. I mean, because it is <laughs> easy contrast. to build. To be fair, um, oh look, we're just yeah, we're just making loads of puns now. Um, but um, it's very tall, and um, yeah, the Silent King is significantly um, taller actually with his uh, his sort of big um, throne thing. But uh, yeah, probably probably my biggest in terms of height although i say that i'm thinking now i do have Sometimes a knight sitting on the shelf I hear <laughs> yeah well i do i have a very girthy knight so don't worry about that he's he's good yeah no i've got the castellan as well so that's why I, I need to just do a side by side of all these three things i know it's bigger than the star drake from the stormcast eternals it's definitely bigger than that but i don't know it's it's yeah i mean so i've done yeah 
Oh, I, got, I don't know. It's it's probably it probably is the tallest as well model that I've ever done. In terms of intricacy to paint, it's not really all that hard. Um, it's just it's there's the sheer volume of it. But then again, I'm a madman and I'm doing it with contrast. And there's a tutorial coming soon. <laughs> yeah, I am excited for that. Though. I I can't wait to see how you paint the veneers with contrast because that that like the the scheme is that teal blue is is beautiful. Yeah, the min- I I must admit I was so obviously we we have a bit of a I guess an in uh, with Josh given we all we all sort of work on the podcast together and we're all friends so uh, as soon as I saw well. on on the War Hipster <laughs> yeah as soon as I saw on the War Hipster Instagram um, when I was sort of building Zarek when I first started started, started last night as soon as I saw uh, Josh had done the uh, the scheme on the the the, the Blackstone pylons. I immediately was like right how, how do you do those <laughs> so yeah what everyone else wait for the tutorial it's going to be amazing but uh, yeah. but yeah it's uh, it's really cool no, did you it's... watch that footage back because i honestly have no idea what i said because yeah, you, you so did, whenever you i did, record yeah. okay yeah so when i record what i do is i tell you what paint i'm going to use i tell you where i'm going to use it and i'm tell you how i'm going to use it use it then i start demonstrating it and then maybe i talk shit for maybe a couple of seconds and then i i generally leave a little bit of a runoff at the end for me to then cut it so you don't have to watch me do the whole thing um and i was worried that when i sent it to adam that it would just be full of me cussing and swearing at uh, <laughs> uh at the model because that that can happen when it's an annoying model like there was a there was a bit on techless that i was doing him where i i nearly what happened was is i went to the paint pot to get some wildwood and one thing i haven't talked about yet on my videos is learning how your model works and what i mean by that is that like when you're holding the model and you're looking at it how how are you going to move your paint brush hand around it um so like when you've got a space marine it's easy because generally there's nothing sticking out too much that you're going to maybe accidentally catch your brush on it as you go past to get your kind of hand into the ready position to do the the layer that you actually want to do. I hadn't done that yet with the Selenar, and so I went to the paint pot, grabbed a a load of uh, wildwood, and then proceeded to catapult wildwood across the entire of the uh, model by (laughs) catching the brush on the wing because I hadn't figured out yet. I hadn't learned what the kind of circumference I had to work my hand around to get to where I wanted to get to. Um, and yeah, so in, I, when I was then editing the tutorial, I came across that clip and I was like, and then what we do is we take a little bit more wildwood and we, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> I've gone and ruined it. I've ruined it now. That's what I've done. I've ruined it. Of course I have. Don't be stupid, Josh. You stupid idiot. Uh, yeah. And I, was, and I was having a good old chuckle to myself. Can you just release one? <laughs> on youtube just uh yeah <laughs> i don't know the the for fuck's sake josh version <laughs> i was gonna i was gonna do a i was gonna do a christmas bloopers reel <laughs> yeah definitely it's gotta have it's gotta have some festive theme music and you need a you know you need a sort of like a host i mean I, i'm happy to hi i'm adam you may remember me from the conclave podcast and like i'll go you know go through the uh the the bleeper reel <laughs> You know, and other blooper reels such as Ed build, builds gene stealer cults or Quipster tries to paint Alaris Terminators, um, and we can, just, we can just go from there. Yeah, no, that sounds good. I, I, the, one of my favorite ones—I can't remember which model it's on—but I know it's what I say is 
Now, what you want to do is you want to be really careful here, and then I am absolutely not careful and completely mess it up. The, the, I just completely missed the mark with my highlight. And I was like, ah, oh, I should probably retire. <laughs> well, there's, look, it's, I it's can, literally what... I can confirm to the listeners, there's, there, you, you, I, I've watched the raw, unedited you know, the footage and uh yeah no you you don't, you actually don't you mostly it's just the the pauses for filming purposes which are just quite funny uh you know as we know from recording this right you do your little pause before you start saying something so it's mostly that but there isn't there isn't really any swearing and, and at the end of the day the uh, the bits of the silent king that you sent me being painted look a hell of a lot better than most of what i could do so <laughs> i'm gonna try and follow it and we'll see we'll see how that goes we'll do it we'll do a comparison Oh, no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we won't do a comparison. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's... Uh, obviously, guys, there's not, not a, a massive amount of point in, in, in asking you what games you've played recently because, obviously, new lockdown restrictions have hit. But Billiards. Uh, <laughs> yes. Call <laughs> yeah. of Duty Mobile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tic-Tac-Toe. Mm, yeah. Um, James Workshop's new version of Tic-Tac-Toe is, is, is incredible. That, that, is, that must be said. Um, That's but... amazing. <laughs> bolter, bolter, bolter. Gone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but jumping into uh, Hobby Origins then. So let's, uh, Adam, let, let's start with you then, mate. So how, how did you get started in, in 40K? Sure. Uh, so I think like a lot of people, um, when I was probably about 10 or 9 or 10 or 11, uh, or sorry, 9 or 10, I, um, you know, walked walk past a games workshop, uh, probably the one at Blue Water Shopping Centre in Kent, I would imagine, is the, the one... That, uh, that I'm thinking of here and saw a load of cool looking painted nonsense in the windows and was like I want that I actually um, I think the first thing I bought from GW was actually thinking about it, it was actually probably Lord of the Lord of the Rings miniatures game because I, I read it was around the time I guess when the films were, were coming out I actually think and... we all share that Actually, yeah, all three yeah. Of us, uh, that, I think uh, there was a, there was a magazine, right? I'm, yeah. Am I the Battle for Middle this? Earth magazine? There yeah. we Battles go. Battles for Middle Earth. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think I ended up with that as well, and I don't Conquest know whether... who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Conquest. <laughs> These kids today with their Conquest in, in comparison, in comparison, Conquest is garbage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Con- Conquest is great. Don't get me wrong. I thought I thought it was brilliant, but. When I think back to what that Battles for Middle Earth thing was like, it was ludicrous. I remember one of the epi- one of the issues that comes through, and it just had what was it? It was like um, it, it had like a, a whole box of Minas Tirith warriors in it. Yeah. So it had two sprues. So that was what twenty four guys, something like that, because it used to yeah, be done in fours for some reason. Yeah. Um, and That's I was like, right. <laughs> and it and and the and the magazine used to be like three ninety nine. We are. I mean. I mean, I mean, inflation, right? But we are we are getting into that sort of uh, thing of being like, you know, I, I actually, oh, I things remember, were better in our day. I remember when it went up from two ninety nine to three ninety nine, and like, you know, the, you know, eight year old me was fucking livid. <laughs> That's an extra pound in my pocket money, GW. What the fuck? Like, yeah. Well, I remember so I, once it had a magnifying glass with it, didn't it? Yes. That was one of the things. Yeah, it had a, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the free gifts. And I, 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 I don't know where that is now, but I, I, part of me always thinks. That'd be so useful to have right now. <laughs> you know what I always wondered? I don't know if you guys remember, in, in the first couple of uh, issues, before that, before you had the models, they had little like cardboard cutouts that you could use, and you know you could use them as as models. I don't know. Do you remember that? Literally, like the first few before you obviously had enough to play with. Yeah, yeah. And I always yeah. wondered, like, because technically, 
a GW model is a GW model. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll rock up to a tournament which is with loads of cardboard cutouts. See, see, see if that love, flies. Love to see it. I was but, yeah. honestly surprised that that magazine did not have an issue that contained two Moomakill. <laughs> <laughs> for three, uh, a reasonable honestly. price of three ninety nine, just two yeah. huge Moomakill. Oh. No, I just remember it being obscene. Like you, you, and and I know the savings with conquest are the same, but like you got stuff like Aragorn the king on horseback. Yeah, which was which was a full price blister pack. Yeah, in OG OG metal, as and well. you got used yeah. to get stuff before it came out. I remember, yeah. I f- I've forgotten his name. The guy that guides um, the Rohirrim through um, Two Minutes to Rith. Like, we, you got him, and I was like, who the... Because this guy wasn't in the films. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And then they <laughs> released the box set, like, a year later or something. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Sorry, we abandoned both my hobby origins and also just the fact that this is supposed to be a 40k podcast. Well, welcome, guys, to the Battles of Middle-Earth fan club podcast. <laughs> um, no, but it, it was really cool. And to be fair, I, you know, thinking back... I probably actually had that because that that would have come out when the first obviously around the time of the first um, the fellowship film, which was like 2000, I think, um, when that first came out, 2000 or 2001, because Return of the King was like 2003. I think, which again makes me just feel old. But anyway, um, so I, I would have got that around that time, and I think that was that I, I sort of got into that before I then went down to like a games workshop and saw Warhammer Forty K and was like, okay, this also looks really cool. And as much as I love building endless numbers of uh, pike wielding Urukai, um, which I'm pretty sure I've still got somewhere in a box um, from the from the two towers, um, you know the, the 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 these armies, these 40k armies look really cool. Um, so my first, I think my first 40k attempt to get into it was I had Tau actually. Because I've I've still got a whole bunch of and this is like Ed's Ed's like nodding with approval right Mate, now. Oh, um, so how, you and Alex, but it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So again, because I think I was of that age, right? It was like kind of anime battle suits, like that's all very cool. Um, and I I've, I found the other day a a crisis suit from that era which has enough white paint on it that I I think it's it's about a full like inch or two thicker than the model should be because I just slapped white paint on it and I had no idea what I was doing clearly Biostrip20 just saw it and just gave up it was like no no (laughs) fucking way (laughs) I I must admit I am tempted to put it in Biostrip just to see if it could get through it but I really I think it's going to take I'll be honest I think it's going to take like a like a chisel or something I I don't know what paint I used on my old stuff but it had like bonded with the plastic or something (laughs) but but, but, Biostrip just looked at me like I've got my limits like fucking (laughs) hell only so much I can do the amount I've done for you, mate. Like, um, to be I fair, always I did, think that. Go on. Sorry. No, I was gonna say I did. I did the the fire warriors because I have I have got still got some towel now, and I did actually strip the fire warriors that I'd put together, you know, back then, and they they were all right because clearly I did them with a sort of like not with eighteen layers of it wouldn't have been Corax white back then, whatever the white paint was called. Um, unlike what I did on this crisis suit, I did, however, I did, however, skull white. Yeah, skull white. There we go. I did, however, paint a a fire warrior for some reason in Cadian colours. So I've got this one fire warrior who's in like the sort of like green and khaki of the Cadians, just bizarrely. Maybe he's a Guevastra. Maybe he's a, a human uh, artillery in a towel. <laughs> 
so um so yeah so that was uh, that was sort of the first one i got i then uh, and this is me now riffing on what i was doing back then because i honestly can't remember just by what i found in the contents of the box I, I brought home from my parents so i obviously at some point decided that i wanted to get into chaos space marines because i've got a bunch of um normal chaos space marines uh one original metal obliterator a chaos lord and a bunch of corn berserkers um, and I clearly had decided that they were going to be my army because what I've also got is a box of um, what appear to be just the regular Cadian Imperial Guard. But I've just I've filed off all of the or cut off all of the Imperial symbols and just stuck horns on them and stuff like that to turn them into these like proto traitor guard. Because I think back then you could have lost and the damned. Right. So so they were meant to be part of the the overall like controlled by this chaos space marine warband um and if, if people have been on our instagram the, the picture we put up for the episode the most recent episode where we were talking with uh, our friend aj about chaos my sort of weird kit bashed guy with a massive gun that was my my uh, chaos space marine color scheme which i think is sort of meant to be red corsairs but um again I'm, I'm not i'm not entirely sure what i was doing back then um but yeah that was that was my that was my start in the hobby um I, like I think all of us, uh, then pretty much stopped uh, after a certain age because I discovered that, you know, girls exist and playing around with little toy soldiers isn't um, wasn't, wasn't the best thing to be doing. Um, and um, I only got back into the hobby around about two and a bit years ago now. Uh, so so I, I, by way of background, I, I'm a lawyer. I'm a corporate lawyer and Boo. um yeah <laughs> thanks thanks guys thanks guys it's all right we're, we're, we're used to it it's fine um and hey i've worked with lawyers send yeah. your abuse to adam <laughs> <laughs> yeah please 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 uh, please direct your abuse to the instagram page it's fine um so i my, my job that i do is is or can be um quite stressful uh, from time to time which i'm sure some people are like you know playing the world's smallest violin right now um but it, it can you know it's, it's quite an involved job um and can be quite high pressure uh, and involve very long hours and um you know you know that going in but it's good to have a you know as I, people have talked about in the hobby um a lot recently it's good to have a an outlet um and, a, and something on the side that you do um, when you're in a job like that uh, or any other sort of high pressure job that, that is just totally you know it's i think winters um uh, described it winters seo uh, described it as he he described his hobby as being like his island that he goes to um you know and sort of shuts the world out and obviously the world at the moment as well you know let alone jobs the world at the moment is 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 a bit of a depressing place in many respects so um it's just good to have this this hobby um on the side that you can do and take your mind off things it was actually my other my, my my other half's idea, which I think she regrets now, because um, I was just going through a particularly stressful period um, in in the sort of bit of bit of work that I was doing, and uh, she said, "Well, didn't you used to, didn't you used to paint those little like toy soldier things?" And I was like, "Oh, what Warhammer?" She's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't why have you ever thought about doing that again? Because I think the painting will sort of take your mind off uh, things and you know be very uh, be very relaxing for you." um and uh yeah we went into um the uh, tottenham court road games workshop in london and uh picked up the no no fear box uh which people will know from eighth edition and uh since then the collection has grown which is why i think um to be honest my mother half just absolutely regrets telling me to do this <laughs> um 
I've got Space Marines. I've got some Eldar. I've got some Tau, like I said, which is sort of a continuation of what I had when I was when I was a kid. I've got the Necrons, obviously now from from Indomitus, um, and the Sisters of Battle. Um, and I've also got the Death Guard. And there are some some random Chaos Marines laying about, which, as I mentioned last time, I'm probably going to try and do something Emperor's children knee with. Um, but yeah, I have I now have a lot of armies because I, I just yeah, I really enjoy the painting. I, I love the game as well. I mean, we you know we play together in 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 uh, down at Bad Moon Cafe in London. But I also just really enjoy having the optionality of just loads of different sort of armies to play about with and new models to paint. And especially because you know the new sculpts are really really good. Um, you know the new Necrons look great. The Sisters of Battle are amazing, incredibly detailed. Take ages to paint because um, there's loads of little you know gothic nonsense and shiny buttons and and trinkets and scrolls on them um but they look really really cool so yeah that's that's really me and how i got started i i use the hobby as i say as a as a, a stress relief and a distraction um from you know not 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 just from work but just from the world at large um and it's just good as i say good for your mental health to have something i think to you know any hobby to to retreat to and so if i if i had to push you for a favorite if I had to force you to choose between your children, who who are you choosing? Uh, what in terms of armies? Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't have any kids, but uh, I'll I'll just pick one. Um, no, so um, I think the sisters at the moment, like the sisters, are just they're they're very forty k. <laughs> I, I know that sounds like I know, I know it sounds like a. <laughs> what'd you say? <laughs> I said power gamer. <laughs> uh, he 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 says painting my eradicators for me. Um, no, so, so... exactly exactly power gamer. <laughs> no, the sisters. Honestly, the sisters. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're good in they're good in the rules, but I just I the 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 models in the army are just incredible. I mean, they have a they have a they have a tank for God's sake that's got an organ on the back of it and fires missiles. I mean, if, there, if there's anything more sort of grim, dark, gothic nonsense than that, I've yet to see it. And I know they're bringing it back into like the Space Marines now, because obviously people people complained about the the Primaris Marines and said, you know, oh, they're a bit plain in some ways. Like they don't they don't reflect some of the more sort of gothic-y elements of of forty uh, k. But the uh, the sisters have just they they've just turned the dial up to eleven on them. I mean they've got the flying cherubs, they've got the um, the mortifiers and the penitent engines, which, if listeners don't know, they're basically these kind of um, sort of walking. Uh, you know when when a when a sister or when a when a member of the the ecclesiarchy, the imperial church, commits a sin, they get strapped into this kind of um, walking dreadnought type construction but it's just you know it's got no armor on it it's covered in in like buzz saws and flamers and it's just meant to go and run at the enemy and just go go mental um and they're mm. yeah they're, they're just so the models are just so much fun to build my, and paint and mess around with my favorite my favorite of that from the sisters and it's a really subtle detail but it's on one of the repentia heads and she's got two um Flirtily pins through her eye, through basically going through her, um, through her, uh, her eyebrow and out her cheekbone. So her eyes are covered by these two metal pins, and it's, it's insane. And I remember I was building the model, and I went, that head looks cool, and I just put it on. And then it was when I sprayed it, and I went, hang on, 
those are metal pins through her eyes and i didn't realize that as i was doing it yeah there's there's another one of them who's got like she's got a metal pin i guess it's meant to be through one of the lips um and they really they really represent that like that grim dark aesthetic that 40k you know i i don't know i just think is very cool in 40k Mm. and they just look insane it does make it does make me wonder you know and, and you touched on an interesting point because Obviously, we know that GW have done really well to kind of expand the reach of 40k, and they're probably looking at that even more so now. And there are rumours of the Eisenhorn, and, and obviously we've had Marnius Kalgars, sorry, Eisenhorn on like Netflix or something. We've had Marnius Kalgar comic book, and I wonder to what degree they will introduce the grim darkness in these kind of things, because obviously they kind of they want to have as, as large a reach as possible, right? They're, they're, you know, as, as, as much as some people probably don't want to hear it, they're not doing this for the 40k fans; they're doing it to make money. Um, so I wonder if they'll do the the pins through the eyes. <laughs> well, it's interesting, what? isn't it? I think because like um, the media has shown us that there is a massive appetite for R-rated stuff. So you know, for a long time, <laughs> people, people, well, like people for every studio executive for a long time thought that an R-rated superhero movie just would not work um, because they go for mass appeal. And this, that, and the other, and then Deadpool proved all of that wrong. So the, when we ended up with Logan, so if you, I think it entirely depends on what the what the what the point of it is. I, if this Eisenhorn thing happens, I hope that it's super grim dark, and then I also hope that the um, story forge stuff that they're doing, that the animations has just a broad range of stuff, kind oh, of like the Love, incredible. Death, and Robots that they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's actually. I, I, well, not that they did, that someone else did, but yeah, I I'm also kind of not fussed too much if that makes any sense. Like I don't have a vested interest in it being successful because there's already enough material out there for it to for for me to satisfy the grim dark thing. And honestly, I don't think it's the it's controversial opinion here, but uh, I don't think it's the main important part of the whole hobby for me. Yeah, I, I think I think for me it. It's not that it's not important for things like the sisters, but it's because the it's a galaxy, right? It's a whole galaxy. So like, I, I love the fact that the tower aren't grim dark in core in a traditional sense. Like, I think it's really cool. And just because just to you know, again, it's a whole fucking galaxy. Like, it sh- everywhere shouldn't just be gothic churches. I think. It's, yeah. 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 Hundred. No. Hundred percent. I think. I say. I think the reason I like I like the sisters aesthetic is just because they've they 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 allow that right like it, again i agree i don't think every army has to look like that and i don't think i don't think they should i oh, don't um, be wrong i love it like with my dark angels i love it oh yeah with, yeah, yeah dark yeah. angels especially but what I, what I also enjoy is they they redid the range and they have made it more it, it, it still it, it balances again not to contradict myself here but it balances like the kind of the realism in air quotes with the crazy gothic futuristic nonsense right in that they so and and this is a controversial opinion time or controversial subject time one of the things that really annoys me is people who complain about the sisters of battle and there were a lot of people who were in the hobby who complained about them and they were like and and one of the things that you you will often hear and obviously people say don't read the comments but if you go onto a lot of you know some of the um you know 40k discussion forums and websites one of the things you hear is you hear these people who go oh they're ugly they're ugly. They're, why are the sisters ugly? They shouldn't be ugly. And it's such a stupid... That's a know, terrible these... impersonation of Quipster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was it's... spot on. 
guys. No, um, Alex, no, are you here? <laughs> no, but you, you get you get this you get this Love idiotic you, you know idiotic um, commentary on it, and and the same you know we're talking about the Repentia, the old Repentia models. If people haven't seen them, they're basically these like semi-nude uh, you know models uh, sculpts. Um, which obviously in this day and age, again talking about appealing the, the appealing, uh, broadening the appeal of the hobby, are you know probably just not 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 right for this for for the you know they they maybe they worked at the time but they just don't look right anymore. They just look a bit weird. And there are these people complaining about all these changes. And on the on the ugly point, it was this thing of guys, these are meant to be like battle scarred warrior women in a future where they're they're you know they're religious fanatics. They're not here to do hair and makeup and walk down a catwalk for like your weird obsession with what your models look like. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Maybe that's a controversial way of describing it. But I just, I just thought that that was one thing where I was like, okay, they've clearly they've got this this change in the look right, and actually the very fact that people are coming along to say these stupid things about them is probably good because it kind of flushes it out, um, you know, it, it, of the hobby. And means that you know it's it, we can actually address it and identify it and say to these people, guys, come on, are you being serious? Like you know this, this thing isn't like a this thing isn't like a uh, you know I, I I by way of background, sorry, just to say I I, I spent some time in uh, in Tokyo with my job and obviously you know you see all the the, the, the anime so I the, the job not Tokyo <laughs> <laughs> is great what are you going to say? but you you know you go you go to like uh, you know any of the shops there and you see these like you know very expensive statuettes of women with incredible or incredibly um, bizarre proportions shall we say um, that people go out and, and buy and you know if you want that sort of thing you do that but like you don't have to bring that in to every aspect of every hobby and actually maybe what they've done now with the sisters it, it just makes them a little bit more you know a little bit more up-to-date and a little bit more modern while still retaining all of the sort of grimdark coolness that they had originally uh, but anyway, yeah, there's my there's my bizarre rant on uh, on on the attitudes towards the sisters about. <laughs> well, I think I think that's a pretty good transition because obviously from talking about Adam's blood sucking uh, career, um, let's move on to, <laughs> to Blood Angels. So, Josh, you are probably the biggest <laughs> Blood Angels fan that I that, that I know. But how did you get there? How did, how did we get to the sheer massive quantities of Blood Angels that you have today? This is my turn to do my origins now, is it? Yeah, yeah. That was sorry. That was my excellent segue. <laughs> yeah, no, no sorry. No, I just broke your flow. It's because it was quite hard for me uh, with my origin story. You see, one night I was with my parents attending the opera, uh, <laughs> and I got scared, so we went outside, and this opera house was right next to a GW. Uh, and I was looking in the window and I saw all this stuff and I was like this is really cool and then my parents got shot um, so I grew up an orphan uh, now hang on a minute I'm just reading Batman that's what I'm doing sorry yeah no I um, my origin story uh, it's a long one um, so when I was when I was six years old so this is 24 years ago um I, my older brother was, had a couple of friends who were doing this stuff and I was fascinated by it, but didn't know anything about it. Um, and my older brother was kind of sort of into it, sort of not really, um, wasn't really his thing. Uh, and he enjoyed it just for the sake of it. Um, and then one day, uh, my parents bought me white dwarf. 
and it was the white dwarf that had the free necron in oh interesting this is very very long time ago so it's when necrons were just coming out so there was like four warriors some scarabs and a lord um that was all that existed for the range and so my very first army technically was one necron warrior um <laughs> I got a few more of these. If you go and look look them up, go and look at the original Metal Necrons. They are, I love them. I adore them because they're so stupid. Are these, but, the um, are these the guys in the squat? Right, they're all they're all in like they're like the Chaos Android pose. They've got like a little squat and they're holding the gun really weirdly at an odd angle. Yeah, yeah. They all look like they've crapped their armor. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like most models do from that time. Like the ancient tactical marines, go look at them. They just look like they're all, you know, squatting and uh, taking a poop. They're just squatting. They're just working on their... No, they're just just working on their squat, you know. They're they're just working on technique. It's fine. Or a friend of mine once described the entire army of them as people taking a dump on parade. Um, (laughs) Because they're all holding their bolter across their chest. (laughs) And they're all... Scrap right down, kind of doing a shit in their trousers. Do, do you anyway, still have those? That, sorry, out of curiosity. I think I do somewhere. I don't know where though. Are you tempted to repaint them as as you've painted the, the rest of the necrons? And that would be cool. <laughs> yeah, if I could ever find them. I, like I said, I have no idea where they are. They are in a box, in a box, in a box somewhere. Um, so I mean, one day I'll find them and I'll be like, huh. Um, but um, yeah, I I do think I still have them, um, but. As I say, that was the first port of call. So after that, I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to do more. So I got some orcs. Um, nice. So I had an orc army. Um, and it was, again, not a, not a massive spanning collection. Um, so I had like 10 boys and a war boss. And then I had a couple of war trucks and a couple of war buggies. And then Gazkull, the original metal one. Um yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was a small army. And it was very small, um, and it kind of just went like that until I think it was that my older brother was kind of done with it, and he had the. I can't remember which edition it is, but it's the. Uh, it's the box that had Black Templars and Dark Eldar in it. I have no idea. <laughs> I think that's was, was third. It, yeah, it was third or fourth. I think. I think third. You're so, right. Something like that, but he had that, and he had all of the all of the Space Marines, and um, his friend had all the Dark Elder. So I took the I took the Space Marines and started, you know, I started painting them, and um, it was during that that I discovered who the Blood Angels were, and so I was like, like many many people out there, I was like, oh, I really like these guys. Um, I read all about them, and I was like, but I don't have any red paint. So I'm gonna do my own <laughs> scheme of blood angels, and they were, what was it? It was they were black with white knee pads. They had like a a mauve, sort of like a burgundy kite type thing. Um, they had burgundy knee pads. That was it, and and, and white shoulder pads. So it's basically like a, an off-brand black templar, but I was calling them blood angels, um, and I I. Uh, I adored them, but um, yeah, I that that was how it started with Angel. So I must have been eight or nine, um, and then uh, I think I, as we were talking about earlier, it was the Battle for Middle Earth stuff that then Lord of the Rings took over my life. It consumed my early years, um, but 
once Return of King came out, I was like, there's going to be no more new, no more new models after this. So I don't know what to do. And that was when uh, a friend of mine went, oh, I've got this great new book. It's called Codex Demon Hunters. And there's these things called, uh, it's these things called Grey Knight Space Marines. Um, and I was like, oh, so I read through that book. And I was like, this is awesome. So I have, I still have, uh, and in, in my Grey Knights army, which I don't think anyone here has seen, um, uh, even, I still have five. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know where they are though. The grey knights but, wipe um, your mind they're on, they're every time. Tight, <laughs> yeah, but I've I've still got my my original uh, metal grey knight terminators, uh, my original grey knight strike squad, and my original metal brother captain stern. Um, all this kind of is stuff. Is that still so, the same sculpt? I'm gonna guess. It is still exactly the same <laughs> sculpt. Yes. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I then did Grey Knights and then I dug out my old Blood Angels, uh, Blood Angel successor chapter. Uh, and I went, this is my now, this is my combined army. This is my Demon Hunters army. So, um, yeah, I did that for a few years and I kind of, I kind of stopped because I didn't have any money when I kind of got to that age where your parents don't really buy you anything anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're about like 15, 16, they're like, it's time you got a job. Um, and then you get a job and you're like, I don't want to spend money on toy soldiers. I want to spend money on alcohol and drinking illegally. Sorry, Lord, the legal department. Um, but um, yeah, so I... I You're fine. Sorry, if there's one thing we've learned today, Josh, it's Adam's morals just out the fucking window. <laughs> I think Adam may need to represent me at some point in the future. Um, but um, once I get sued for, you know, contrast paints or some, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, so I kind of stopped, but only kind of on pause during sixth form. So 17 and 18. Uh, and then when I went to uni, I was like, I've got a student loan. I know what this is going on. So I started an Eldar army um, and I kind of just bought one of every aspect. That was kind of it uh, cool. and didn't really do anything, anything with it. Um, I remember I finished the Banshees and I finished the Striking Scorpions and the Dire Avengers uh, and I just didn't. I ended up not doing the rest of it because I also got hold of uh, the Battle for Black Reach, uh, which was the Ultramarines and Orcs. Um, got hold of a second-hand copy of that, which was unmolested by anyone. So I built and painted all those Ultramarines. Um, and that was kind of served me through university. And then I moved to London. Um, and I didn't do it for a couple of years because, I didn't ha again, I didn't have any cash. Um, and what cash I did have was spent on rent and stuff and, um, you know, uh, kind of just doing anything but, really. Uh, and then in, I think... I was asked this again recently. I think it was 2016, maybe 2015, but I think it was 2016 that I was I was sad. So I went to uh, I went to Epsom, which is where everyone goes when they're sad to cheer themselves <laughs> up. Um, but I went there to go to uh, Guitar Guitar, um, uh, and I was looking at buying a Mark Holcomb PRS signature guitar uh and i played it for about an hour and i was like yeah i'll have a think because i didn't want to commit to spending i think it was 900 pounds 
on it uh, and then I came out and I was like well I've come all this way to buy something and I haven't bought anything and I looked around and there it was Games Workshop Epsom so I went in there and I bought the um, I bought the old Space Marine paint set uh, and I built and painted three Ultramarines in about an hour and a half and I was like yeah now I think I'm in trouble because I'm back now uh, and I've been in it ever since um, and yeah I, the my my journey really has been quite interesting in a way over the last four years because whilst I, you know, I the only stuff I had with me in London was these old ultramarines and these old orcs. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll just add to these ultramarines. So I ended up basically putting together nearly a company of ultramarines, nearly a company of ultramarines. Um, but it was more like... Uh, it was more like the minimum requirements to do the Gladius Strike Force for those seventh edition fans out there. Um, so the two demi companies and then a tenth company detachment because I was like, this is cool because I love scouts. Um, and so I did all of that really quickly. And then I was like, I need to do a new army because Tottenham Court Road was running a, you know, one of those build a start collect buy a start collecting build an army and then we'll have a little mini tournament in january type thing it was christmas kind of hobby extravaganza so what i did is i bought um <laughs> tau uh so i bought a uh i bought it was it was called the retaliation cadre box um which had a riptide in it uh it had a broadside three crisis suits and a commander which is close to the eight, basically, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I built the retaliation card, right? I then built something which was called a uh, uh, stealth optim or something stealth card, right? Or something like that. I can't remember it now. Yeah. Um, optimized stealth card, right? Which was it was mean. Um, it'll mean nothing to eighth edition and ninth edition people, but it was it was really mean. Um, and then yeah, proceeded to absolutely smash this kind of tournament because Tau were absolute filth at the end of seventh um and then someone said well why don't you if you if you enjoyed if, you, if you're enjoying doing that now that's right I, I bought all the towel and I painted it over like two days and I was like well I'm ready for like the next two three months and then the guy in there, Pablo, said, why don't you enter the, the uh, Age of Sigmar one as well and do something? And I was like, well, I've never really been into uh, the fantasy thing. He was like, no, go on, have a go. I was like, yeah, right. So I then built an enormous Stormcast army as well. Um, and, and then, yeah, I have been adding, steadily adding armies to my collection. But um, to circle all the way back to where the Blood Angels um thing that you asked me about ed i uh <laughs> this is the tangential answer this is why i don't i'm not successful in in job interviews um because i talk about this uh so um what happened was is i went to fun and fluff which has been talked about a lot um on this podcast i know but i went to the october fun and fluff which i think is the first one so that was in 2018 maybe something like that anyway i was there and i brought my dark angels list which was uh a bunch of raven wing some scouts and my favorite models in the entire range the deathwing knights um and um yeah so i took them and i had a lot of fun but 
my problem was is that the only times that I was having loads of fun was because I was using the Black Knights to move fast and get into combat. And then bringing in the Deathwing Knights as like the sledgehammer. And I was like, I realized in that point, like I had been so indoctrinated that shooting armies were, you know, the best way to go because, you know, competitive mindset, you need to have lots of guns, particularly in seventh. It was very much a shooting, uh, a very much a shooting uh, edition. Mm. Um, I've been so indoctrinated with that, that I was like, I wasn't actually really having fun playing with shooting armies. Um, and it was, it took that tournament with the dark angels to realize that I needed to do a pure combat army. And I kid you not, I was playing Mr. Benjamin Bonner, um, with his Tau and my dark angels. Um, and, um, he was kicking the shit out of me. And (laughs) I was like, whilst I was having all my, my, all my dark angels, uh, uh get uh get the get the you know getting their shit pushed in my eyes wandered over to the left and i was looking at the wall of products at dark at dark sphere and i was like uh what do i get to actually you know stop this kind of thing from happening and literally just there in the middle like it was almost like angelic light was (laughs) beaming out from behind them was this box of death company and it all just kind of, you know, like in film, like in amnesia films, when it all just <laughs> snaps back, like the entire of the memory, the curtain is lifted. It, you just see this kind of montage of clips going through that person's head of like, yes, I remember her name. She was called Joy. I loved her very much. Well, that was happening for me, but with Blood Angels and Death Company. Sanguinius. Yeah. yeah and Sanguinius. Sanguinius appeared to me in a vision. I was like, <laughs> I will get a model in a couple of years' time. Um, Look at my and nice so, yeah. blonde hair. I like to think, like, yeah. af- after seeing Dante, you were his next. <laughs> you were the next person you had to go see. I was next, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I went and bought that. Literally, after I'd finished playing Bone, uh, I went and bought that box of Death Company. And um, I have not looked back since. That's awesome. I, th- I think one of the questions that I want to ask is because I've asked it to a few people now, and I really enjoy the answers. Is um, as someone that's played a, a few editions, is that, can I get two rules from you? One rule that you um, thought was absolutely nuts, and it was in a previous edition, and one rule that you would just really like to bring back through to, to ninth. That is an excellent question. As in, like a, a rule from an from a bygone age to bring in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the problem is, is I, so I've been, as you may have just heard, I've been doing Warhammer mostly for about 24 years and, um, the game actually hasn't been as fun as it could possibly be until these last, since eighth edition. So there is not really anything from the old editions that I would love to bring back. The only thing (laughs) <laughs> which i think here we go which i think which i think would be great to bring back would be guest rangers because it's hilarious <laughs> fair enough imagine i mean if you've you, got that spatial awareness then yeah i mean it's a massive advantage okay cool was is, is there any rule that you that was absolutely bonkers in previous editions and you're just like how the fuck did that ever get in the game Sorry, I missed that. I think I cut out for a second. Sorry, is is there any rule that was like absolutely bonkers? And you were like, how uh, like <laughs> how did that get into the game? 
it, what into seventh, into eighth and ninth? Or, or no, or any or any edition, any edition that you thought was. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um. Oh well. Ah. Uh, I, t- I tell you what. The what, one of the ones that I uh, that I I remember fondly a, a long time ago was there used to be a thing of in combat you would um uh if you won your combat your opponent then had to take a leadership test if they failed the leadership test that meant they then had to fall back or they would retreat when they did that if your army had the, if that if your unit had the ability to and i might be just butchering the rules so any kind of two super diehards will correct me immediately i'm sure but your your unit then had the opportunity to do something called a sweeping advance if you caught them doing a sweeping whilst doing a sweeping advance, the unit was destroyed, right? The enemy unit was destroyed. Yeah, I think I have heard this, yeah. Yeah. You then could do a consolidation move, as per usual, and if you consolidated into another unit, you could then immediately fight again. <laughs> and do the exact same thing again. And you could just keep going until the thing was over which is why for a while there was like a it was like a it was it was like a, a, a berserkers army was like just unbeatable if it got into combat and it could get into combat first turn um the 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 that is insane to me but <laughs> i i i think the one the the thing that i think is the most insane is uh it, it for me was um uh it was the it was the um it's it's vehicles interacting with dangerous and uh difficult terrain and it's it's freaking hilarious <laughs> so like you're to, to paint a picture for you if you say you had a rhino and you wanted to drive over some barrels okay you had yep. to take a difficult terrain test if you failed the difficult terrain test, you then had to see what would happen. If you rolled a one, you were then immobilized. That was it. That that was it. It was done. And so, like, there is there are times where you'll see in like games or things or people talking about it, like in in in, in nostalgic reasons, where stuff like a land raider gets immobilized on some barbed wire. <laughs> sounds sounds wholly realistic, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's. I I just for the life of me, I can't figure out what the what the what the the thought processes was there. Like, I I know it's incredibly difficult to balance something like that because yes, you do need to have something like difficult and dangerous terrain, and there should have been some interactions with, like, for example, if you've got a jump pack and you launch yourself up into the air and your enemy is in the middle of a punji stick pit, you shouldn't just drop in and be absolutely fine. There is a risk to you doing that, right? So um, yeah, like I get that, but just some of it was—it's bizarre. I there's there is very 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 little, if anything, I would ever want to see come back. Honestly, like <laughs> I've, I've seen the... I've seen your collection of blast templates, mate. I know that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I I use them as wind chimes, um... <laughs> just like a dream catcher over your bed. Yeah, it's the large blast yeah. template. I do still have all of my blast templates. I've got like oh. four or five sets, because um, they are still relevant for Necromunda, and I think I know. I, can't I, remember. Know. I haven't played Necromunda in a long time. On the on the like crazy rules thing, and and you'll know more about this than I do, Josh. But my understanding, this is just from from like reading stuff about it, is that when AOS, when Age of Sigmar first came out, 
there were like a bunch of and i don't know whether they were like joke rules or whether they were actually in the rule book but they were things like you know if you were playing with a certain army and you or a certain character and you had a bigger beard than your opponent it like let you do things or if you were yeah. if you i think it was like if you were elves and you were more dignified then you could get like plus one to hit which is yes. just if, nuts yeah 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 no, no that that stuff did exist i think it was a joke and it was but i know we're not a, i know this isn't a warhammer fantasy podcast but um i if you'd asked me earlier if there was rules that I'd like to see come back from Warhammer Fantasy into Age of Sigma, I would reach through the computer and throttle you. Because <laughs> the the rule set for that was even worse. And like so here's here's my here's my example. The the, the Warhammer Fantasy rules were supposed to rep represent, you know, these massive armies fighting in units, this, that and the other, and it was supposed to be as real as it possibly could. Now, if you had a unit of dwarves, for example, who had, say, a five-inch movement, and you wanted to wheel them slightly to the left, that was it. That was all you could do. <laughs> so you couldn't just, like... So you know, like, now, you can just, like, your space marine, you can just, like, turn him to the left, and that's it. That doesn't take any movement. In order to do that in the regiments thing on the square basis, you had to wheel the uh, the unit. The unit as a whole used its movement, even if not every model had moved. So if you wanted to like kind of pivot on a corner, you would have to move the unit, say the four or five inches, to get to like a diagonal, and that was it. That was done. They couldn't move anywhere from that point because the whole unit's movement was used, even if not all models had moved. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, that is uh, crazy. It's a bit painful. Yeah, I, I guess there's yeah. just a... and I know there's people. Go on, sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say. I, I guess there's just kind of different um, philosophies behind the rules writers. I would guess probably different stages of Games Workshop because I guess, like you say, that's a that's a philosophy of let's go for some, some hyper realism. And then now, um, and I, I I very much agree with you, and I think the rules are much better. It's like, why don't we just make a fun game? <laughs> yeah, there's a yeah. there's a there's a balance right between between complexity. Like, and, and actually, what is quite funny when we were talking at the very very beginning of this about like you know we haven't really played much games. One of the reasons that like my, my other half Kelly won't won't really play Warhammer is because she constantly complains that there's too many rules. There's just too much. You know, she's she's just not into that that kind of uh, play style, which you know is 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 interesting because um, God forbid if she was playing one of these earlier editions where there was just even more sort of nonsense stacked on top that you had to remember. But yeah, there's there's a balance to be struck between between realism and uh, you know actually making the game practically playable. So yeah, I don't know. I think they've I think they've got it broadly right at the moment. I think I, I th improvement on yeah. small things with eighth that were a bit weird. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I for for me like because I got deep into Age of Sigmar, um, I was ready for eighth and ninth because the rule set's basically the same. Um, so and uh, and it got me really excited for forty k. Like I'd, I I have an enormous stormcast army, folks. I, I, honestly, it is so big. I it, it, to <laughs> to put it in terms of forty k understanding, I I have probably close to a comp uh, like a, a two companies of space marines worth of stormcast. That's how deep I. That's how deep the rabbit hole went. Um, and and I adored that game. And if it hadn't been for that game, I probably 
I probably would have stopped playing altogether because I just was not enjoying playing seventh edition games. And, and then when the eighth edition the stuff traditional came, gold and, and blue is is that your scheme? No, so mine are the anvils of the Heldenhammer, which is a black scheme. Um, and then cool. I uh, and then I listened to all of the audiobooks and decided to pivot hard into the Hallowed Knights, which is a silver and blue scheme. And then a bunch of heroes came out that are Hammers of Sigma, which is the traditional gold and blue scheme. So I've done a bunch of them as gold and blue. I, I could build three different roughly equivalent sized Stormcast armies, which is, um, which is uh, yeah. So you think my Blood Angels uh, amount is a lot. I've got almost the equivalent in, <laughs> definitely the equivalent in Stormcast. So I've got I've got to ask then. So what um, what is it about Blood Angels? So I, I know um, probably not got too much time remaining, but let's see if you can keep <laughs> to, to within an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, what what is it about Blood Angels that makes Which you one just thing? yeah just just love them? It's Sanguinius's story. Okay. Okay. Good. There we that's go. it. That's <laughs> that's all it is. Like it. So the 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 idea of sanguinius and what he does is his his sacrifice to you know put the have you, you ever know, thought about christianity and... just out of curiosity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i have yeah i used to go i used to go to spring harvest when i was a kid yeah. um but um you know it, 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 so the way he sacrifices himself to uh produce the weak point or the opening for the emperor in the fight against Horus is a heroic sacrifice enough then you learn that he had the gift of foresight which meant that he had been seeing that vision mm. for a few years like like three or four years and you learn this through the Horus heresy books is that he's been foreseeing this thing happening but he still does it anyway and like he he then has also foreseen the pain that it will cause his sons but he still does it anyway because it's the right thing to do. It is the only thing that he can possibly do. He's seen the visions where he doesn't do it and what happens. And he's he, he still puts his life on the line and dies knowing that he has done the only thing that he put, the only choice that he possibly had to stay true to the emperor, to stay true to the Imperium and the vision that they all shared together during that time. And I think even just that alone makes it worth collecting the army. So, so how annoyed are you going to be when we get to the final books of the Horus Heresy and they change it and they reveal that actually something else happened? Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's an excellent question, just from a general point of view of like, ha- like the fact that they ha- they are going to write it is just yeah. absolutely great. Like, there's a, there's been a, admittedly there's been a lot of stuff that you could say is like that in the Horus Heresy where it's like they've they've delved into things that just you know people didn't even want delving into and you know there are things that were kind of unanswered questions that were core to 40k and now they've answered them and it's like holy crap and absolutely adam like that is one of them is like what exactly happened there so for example the chink in horus's armor like you know is that a metaphor is there a literal chink how does this work like you know they're going to answer these questions and that's that's well, fascinating isn't it really so my my theory is that because sanguinius was so beloved by all of his brothers is that it's not an actual, you know, because I'm I'm certain that you know Ho- Horus is not indestructible. Like we like Russ does way, loads of damage to him in um yeah, in Thingy, and he is Horus is at that level. He he is as about as mega powered up as he's possibly going to be. I know he powers up a little bit more, but he is that is 
that is almost that is almost Super Saiyan Horus, right? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, so my theory is is that Sanguinius, um, sa- whilst he probably wounds Horus, and Horus wounds him almost definitely, terminally, one would say, um, <laughs> that actually that it is it is that murder on Horus's behalf that produces the doubt in his mind. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that's that that's my theory, and it is yeah. that it is that it is that it is that sliver of whatever is good and green about Horus's soul that starts to resurface during his fight with the Emperor. I think that is what it is. Um, but you know, I I, also, I don't think they're going to rewrite the I, that event. Like I I can't see that the book is just like Sanguinius turns up and Horus is like. Hey Sanguinius, I've been good all along, and then Sanguinius falls to chaos. I just can't see that being the. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I mean, and then, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I asked, I asked, I asked questions like he pulls off a jo- mask jokingly. and it's actually like <laughs> Lehman Russ. Like. It, yeah, it is I Vulcan. Uh, no, he, um, he, he, I asked question jokingly, but yeah, as Ed says, they are, they are, you know, they are going into things like this, and it is just going to be really interesting because that is that you know that is the the without drawing the analogy too because that is the jesus moment right that is the the that 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 artwork of horus and the emperor and the body of sanguinius i mean that's just iconic and i think everyone in the hobby has seen that and knows it so seeing it written down in a book and especially for you as a blood angels fan i it's going to be amazing it's just going to be really interesting to see how they do it i think that theory is actually is actually really good it might explain why he drops the shields you know yeah, and and like the, the, I mean, even just the the blood angels themselves, whilst within them, they they don't, it's 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 kind of a thing of they master the darkness within them, and they know what will happen to them, and they strive forever to oh, yeah. be the absolute best until it does, and and then even then their brothers still care for them in that moment and want them to have the heroic end that they deserve so then they join the death company and then you know that's that and the other um and it's just like it's the 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 other thing if you want to get really super technical about it is that um uh there's loads and loads of background about them when they were the uh when they were the before they found sanguinius was that their gene seed wasn't fussy um so like you didn't have to be you know prime stock of human you didn't have to be you know perfectly healthy they literally could take anyone and it took the absolute worst of humanity so like mutants and you know like just plague-ridden people and they became the absolute angelic best version of themselves after the process and there's something also kind of beautiful about that is it's it's yeah, and they just they they have so much humanity about them because the other side of them within their soul lacks this total lack of it. So, yeah, there's just they're so they're they're brilliantly written, and I, they're it's a beautiful legion, uh, and yeah, that uh, I can go on and on as you know, as you've heard me do before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... no, that's that's really lovely. Honestly, yeah. I think that's just really nice. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's it's always awesome to hear people that are just so passionate about their their factions and. Yeah, I mean, I am not a Blood Angels player, but yeah, hundred percent. You you cannot everything to do with Sanguinius and the Blood Angels is just it just rises just rouses those forty k feelings in you. Um, 
I think that's uh, we're gonna, that's going to be the end of the podcast um, this, this evening, folks. Um, please do have a look at the links below to support Bad Moon Cafe, who we did mention in the last podcast. Um, obviously, they're going through a really difficult time, as, as lots of places are. Um, before we uh, just sign off, um, uh, Josh, where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, they can find me on Instagram at Warhipster. They can find me on YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash Warhipster. You can find me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Warhipster and Ko-Fi at Ko-Fi.com forward slash Warhipster. There's definitely a trend here. You can, yeah, uh, I, I, I think that's I everywhere. Actually just, I actually just said Instagram. Josh, can you keep to the fucking script? Yeah, Jesus <laughs> no. Christ. No, I cannot. <laughs> I, can, I cannot and will not. Shan't. Shan't, Ed. <laughs> If you want, you can also contact me Back via smoke signal. You can also contact me via homing pigeon. You can yeah. write me a letter. If you if you whisper, if you whisper war hipster unto the wind when it's blowing in the right direction, Josh will just appear and start talking about blood angels. Uh, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> and, and, Adam. and chastising you for not buying contrast paints. <laughs> and Adam, where can people find you then, mate? Uh, yeah, so I'm on Instagram at ADR Wargaming. Nowhere else? Nowhere else? No, no, yeah, no. I, I, I don't I even have a letterbox. So yeah, no, I, I, I if you'd I like to have a in. commission, if you'd like to talk about a commission, you can email me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll include um, probably some of these links below. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you can also find me at the Sandman Hobby on Instagram. Um, thank you very much for listening, and uh, have a good day.